0: Welcome to Moving with the Pen. I'm Joe Williams. In this podcast, I'm tracing the human gesture of writing, from first thoughts to the final page. Listen on for interviews and interdisciplinary side quests, experiment and reflection, strangeness and laughter. Whether you want to breathe new life into your art, or you're just trying to get to sleep. Make yourself at home. tree of meaning forms this podcast. If you want to be a pen friend of the podcast, I'll write to you and share what I learned from tending it. The links that emerge between the conversations. The insights that blossom after them. I'll let you know about opportunities to write together as they come up, whether that be free workshops or long course deep dives. Go to movingwiththepen.com penfriend and enter your email to make it happen. I first met Najiba Murakadeh when she came to one of my open workshops on Zoom in January, 2021. In the two years since I've spent hours writing alongside Najiba on the intuitive writing craft seminar and other courses she's taken with me, and we've worked together to hammer her first two books in English on the anvil of her intentions. In this conversation, we talk about her first book, No Rush. It's a memoir that catches her life and the lives of those she has encountered in a kaleidoscopic net of prose and poetry. In this conversation, she speaks about how she came to write and publish it.
1: The Light and there it was, the moment between dark and light. That miracle before the birth, the birth of a new beginning, bursting into light or into a mist. And sometimes into a radiance, too much for the retina to catch. The fear of darkness and the celebration of light. I knew about before, but it was between the darkness and the birth of light that I became
2: a witness. Najiba. Yes.
0: (laughs) Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for coming on. So, a brief introduction. Today we'll be meandering in and out of the many fascinating thoughts around your new book, No Rush, a memoir. And maybe we can talk a little bit about what a memoir is, could be, Mm -hmm. um, the ways in which you've done some really interesting subverting of the genre that I think are really effective. So let's see how we get on. Yes,
1: let's do that. (laughs) Let's, Let's explore it together.
0: Yeah, cool. So I had this experience end of last week and I was putting together some questions for this session and I felt like checking something I think it was um I mm-hmm. think it was a story about your father so I flick I flicked to the beginning of No Rush and I can't stop reading. So when the book came out, it was mid-October, wasn't it?
1: Yes, towards the end, yeah.
0: You sent me a copy. You and um, Anthony, your print designer, put together a really beautiful edition. Yes. Um, I think we have to give a shout out to Anthony Lane there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Um, yeah. I... uh, I worry about his perfectionism but it has its uses. It's I mean, a really yeah. gorgeous yeah. little book. Yeah. It yeah. feels good in the hand. It yeah. looks beautiful. Yes,
1: I think Anthony. The, uh, I I knew he's doing good job, but the first when I hold the book um, I just just said thank you Anthony. It's exactly it's everything in the way he designed uh, this book, match the content of the book. And as a result, it just f- flows from the the moment you see the book cover till you finish the book.
0: Last Thursday night, Friday night, when I just sat and had to read the thing cover to cover, mm. I met it for the first time.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: You have got a life into 50,000 words and 101 pages.
1: That's right. <laughs> a lifetime.
0: Yeah. So I would really like to talk to you about how you did that, because there was some very unusual technical and process decisions that made that possible. Um, but I want to say I think this thing's going to get word of mouth because I'm having the same response as a whole bunch of people have had when they've read this. I started it, I devoured it, I read it cover to cover in one Mm go. Mm -hmm. Um, You've chosen to use a mixture of poetry, of lyrical prose that describes first memory and then in the later parts of the book inner states and a very grounded descriptive style about the details of your family life um, and life in damascus Mm -hmm. where you grew up Um, and the license you've given yourself there To address any part of your life in any form that most suits it, I think is part of what's working here. So we get the stillness of your father's study
2: Mm.
0: when you were young. We get in a paragraph. The flowering jasmine in the courtyard. Mm-hmm. In a page, you tell the story of the life of your friend Samira. Mm-hmm. A marriage comes and goes in three pages mm-hmm. and two pieces of writing. Mm-hmm. The death of a friend in four lines of poetry.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it allows a lightness of touch on the one hand
2: mm-hmm.
0: and a power on the other. You've given yourself both freedom and power in this format. Mm-hmm. So. It's working for me. It's working for the people who've read it. And you had a very clear idea that this was how you were going to do it from the start. Can you tell me a little bit about how that came about? How you decided to write a memoir that was a tapestry Mm
2: -hmm.
0: from all these different threads? Mm Because I remember a conversation really before you put all the text together, even for a draft, that this was going to work this way. How did you know that it should work this way? Why did you want it to be this way?
1: Okay. So, um, I, I thank you for your your um, what you said about reading the book and... Uh, and one of the things a friend said that uh, she said the same as you said but later after a week or two she contacted me to say you know i went back to the book again and i read another part the same paragraph but i learned something new i didn't see it the first time and and that, that that's something i was um, i i didn't say to her but I said to myself, this is exactly what I wanted the reader to do. It it wasn't about telling a story with beginning and end, either to talk how amazing life I had, or I had so much trouble and get where I am. As if my life story is a line or one path, we we walk on it. There is some hole, there is some up, there is some down. And that's it. Here where I am. Because that is just a story. Okay. So the book, the way it is, there are few elements made it. First of all, uh, I have to mention your course. Because when I remember starting working with you, attending your sessions. For the first time, I discover that I can write the way it feels right for me, or I can put a book the way I like. Actually, I can publish a book. Because I think years and years of attempt, and probably a lot of people would say, you try to write, you start writing, you you show people, you go to course, you read a book, and you keep going on the same circle. Am I writing the right way? Is this how it should be? And there is this conflict between what you want to say and what you should produce to people. That's one thing. Uh, so when I when we when I work with you, I discover no, I can write the way I want to write. It's allowed, so that's the first part. The second part is, I allowed my inner voice to be heard by me before being heard by others. That inner voice and deep voice which is my true voice. It's not masked by uh, choosing the right words. It's not masked by speaking the way which suits some people. It's not masked by what I should or shouldn't do. And that voice was buried for years and years and years and years. It's because it's called how to cope and how communicate and how to... Go through jobs and life and, you know, and to bring that voice and make it dictate how I want the book to be, what I want to write, was the biggest challenge for me. And this is why this book is very precious to me. So that part, and I have to thank you, it was a journey. So it didn't come that way out of nowhere. It came through process and through experiencing uh, that fight between what I should do and the other voice who said, just go away. Let me say what I want. Let me just, just let me say it for once. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, go ahead.
0: I mean, I'm sort of jumping in because you've said so much already, and there are a couple of things that I want to just, um, yeah, crop in on so that they Please get do. a little bit bigger for for Please the listener. Do. So this move from the idea of a memoir as a single story. Yeah. Um, this, actually, this existential challenge to the idea that yeah. life is a single story. Yeah. Um which I think the more you look at it is definitely a fiction, um and potentially quite a um quite damaging fiction. Mm. You know, the idea that our life is one story of yeah. one person. Yes. You know. Yes. We we are many. You know, we contain multitudes. That's right. And if a life has any wholeness, it has room for many threads of
1: course yes yes exactly and uh, and one of the one of the main thing is those pieces in the book if they put if you take them put them on a the table they're just separate pieces they can't come together and make a jigsaw we are all I don't know it's in the language we use it all the time and the last piece of jigsaw and now I have the full image and I and actually there is nothing unless you make jigsaw stick them together and stick them on a wall that's the only way you can make a jigsaw your life can't be there is a missing piece of jigsaw perhaps missing link perhaps where you are standing, you can't see the full picture, mm. or perhaps where you are in time, and in a place, what you see is right, and perhaps ten years later, does it looks illusion?
0: So here's a question: As you were speaking, I got this idea of, um, you know, you were speaking about your perspective being incomplete, yeah, based on where you're standing in yes, time. Yes, yes. Would you say that assembling these pieces that have been written over a fairly long period, so the most That's recent right. uh, were last summer, a couple of, uh, a couple right. of months before a few years the, ago. before we put together yeah. the final edit document, yeah. um, when were the first pieces written?
1: One of the first pieces written probably 25 years ago.
0: 25 years the ago. The Christmas one. And by assembling this tapestry, you've... Allowed a piece that has the strength of multiple standpoints, that you can assemble this piece that looks at your life through many lenses. Yes. At once. Yeah. In the same fifty pages, you benefit from the view of who you were and how you were writing 25 years ago, who you are now and how you're writing now. Yes. And they can link together.
1: That's right. Even though there are no connection between them. Even the style is different. Yes. It's a story different. And like my dad's story about this lady, Maria, Maria, who, who claimed to be able to read your coffee cup.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: I mean... I always, can, I you re, can
0: you retell that briefly? <laughs> We're screaming off into left field, which is brilliant. That's, that's where I'm I love
1: to go. it because it came to me. As You know, sometimes when you write, you are very really serious. And then you skip something really hilarious, like this lady who will come on a Friday to help my mum with the washing. And that traditionally, you have this half-washing machine, not the modern one, it's open one. And they have to do the washing. Have it online before the sun is strong, because the the, the sun will will ruin the color, the color in clothes. And then sort of things. So at lunchtime she have her lunch, and then she go, she goes. And I don't know how she said she can read uh, the coffee cup, and of course she doesn't. And my dad took her seriously and asked her to read it the coffee his coffee cup and he called her and closed the door like because he doesn't want us to hear what she's saying. And she will call us to the kitchen and say, Tell me what happened last week and tell me what he's doing next week. And then she will go and read to him and he will be really in deep thought, say, Oh my God, how much she you know But Maryam couldn't do this all the time. With time we got busy and we'll be at school when he called her. And then she started making up story. <laughs> and then he, he just said she just took rubbish, you know. <laughs> so the lightness of it, that that dad who I admire and the thinker and the priest and the the person who holds people <laughs> pain and uh, he got <laughs> into that uh, trap <laughs> of believing this lady is going to tell him something special. And I think that lightness of it is lovely. But then when I wrote my dad and the temple, I wrote it few years ago, or not two years ago, probably five years ago, before uh, the uprising in Syria. When the destruction, now this is when eight years of war left the country destroyed, and that time it was written, and it was very painful for me to write it. The temple. In the holy temple sat my dad. I knocked quietly. Come in, dad would say. I would enter, collect words that have fallen from the bookshelves. A kiss, a hug I had missed and the rush of the day before. A stern look through his glasses and his smoke. He's been gone for too long to remember. The temple has vanished, and so has God's mercy. I've sobbed since, and so has the earth.
0: since we're going towards your father we could go there I mean this is a very this is a very singular influence this man who was the priest at the cathedral in Damascus and he had this he had this dual role the you know the public face as the holder of ceremony Yes. And the private face of being the person people went to when their lives fell apart. That's right. That's right. Can you say a bit about what it was like to be around that as a child and as a young woman? And, yeah, are there are there threads that have informed not only what you've written about him but how you've read how you've written this.
1: he was there to hold I think in English you say not hold them create a place to hold their problem and there was a lot of problems that like any time and um, he had this office and that place, the door, somebody will knock on the door three o'clock in the morning or five o'clock afternoon or six o'clock in the morning and that door always is answered, you know, Uh, so
0: um, What was it it like to be in the house with this kind of yeah, what was it like to be in the house with people coming and going like that? Uh,
1: well, the way my dad... <laughs> it's, 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 it's going to bring another story. One of the thing is, uh, during the day, there is a door and you have corridor and you can go to his office and then you enter the court where the house is. But, um, but we could see, if we were upstairs, we could see who is at the door if if he were at home and um, one of the things I always remember when the door is knocked especially when it is not uh, during the day that he would just if he open it he just leave it not open it fully and he will call my mum name which means let the children go in so we wouldn't see who is coming so we know there is something you know and then those people go in the door closed and you don't you know and he attend to what people need or want uh, because also people will knock on the door at three o'clock in the morning because they said my dad is dying can you come and give him is it the last right call isn't it yes yeah so um so he will do that you know uh Yes, I don't know if we discover or I was, I start remembering things happen when we were children.
0: Yeah. No, that's very that's very succinct, Nashiba I mean, I'm wonder, I'm wondering whether there was a temptation to listen ever.
1: <laughs> I had the story for you actually. Uh, it was it was one of those winter nights and uh, the somebody knocked on the door and my dad, as you said to my mum, Georgette <laughs> And she said to her, oh, you know, go to the room. I said, who is that? She said, just go to the room. And he said to her again, make sure they are, you know, they went in, you know. and But later, he called her because I think one of the things, there was problem and the woman was crying and there is a man, a voice of a man and somebody else. So she had to go downstairs and of course I said, ah, oh, there is a crying. Let's see what you can hear. And, and I, I am far from the room, I'm not near the room. I'm upstairs, and downstairs. And a woman, I heard a woman crying and then she spoke. And I said, oh my God, that's my French teacher. It was my French teacher. And somehow I froze, I didn't listen more and I ran in, ran inside the room. And, of course, this French teacher wasn't popular. We didn't think she was a good teacher, and she always shouting at everybody. And, and, and you think, gosh, going to more to school, being year seven or eight, bringing that story, great. Just, it will be, you know, <laughs> I got you, I got you, you know? And the following day, when I went to school, and she, she, we had French, and she came into the room, And I didn't do anything. I didn't tell anybody anything. And on her way out, very quietly said to me, say hello to your dad. Because I was was at church school. I went to the church school. And from that day, I never bothered the teacher. I was very quiet in her class. I didn't, you know, when you are young and you know the weakness of a teacher, you know, in general, without knowing anything else. But... From that age, I learned to hold a story like that and never use it. It just, it didn't come because somebody told me you shouldn't. It didn't come because as Christian you don't do that. It didn't come because it's shame to do that. There was something about it. That night, this person was in a very bad place. But this person, every day, she get up and come to school to teach as a bad teacher, a good teacher, or whatever it is. And for me, as a child who go to school, you know, not, you know, yes, child, you can say, I didn't know that those people who teach at school, outside the school, they have so many other stories. Because those people, you think they are God, not God. I remember if you see in my time, if you see a teacher at, in the street we just look, say, oh my God, she exists outside the school, you know, in my time. Nowadays, it's different. So it teach you about, um, yeah, that's something you don't, you don't, um, yeah.
0: I, I think can't... there might be something there. That is part of a longer thread. I don't know. Tell me what you think about this. Discretion. This art of telling or not telling
2: mm.
0: in order that life can carry on. Mm. You know, we see, we can very easily fall into seeing a binary between being closed and being open. Mm. But there's this dance of discretion, actually, Mm. which, when it's guided by empathy, Mm. when it's guided by some acknowledgement, of the human experience, mm. being told, not being told, is essential to let life happen. Mm. And one of the things that I was peripherally aware of while working on the text of the book. And became very acutely aware of when I met it again as a reader a few days ago, was there is a very gentle but very alert dance of telling and not telling. That's right that's allowed the book to be what it is, that has allowed you to write a life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't about exposure. Mm. It was about, like, because, because I hold those stories, it was big. Big a uh, big challenge and hard to write about my parents. I could write that rosy image about those two people, because you love your, I love them, and I uh, they are not around, but I still feel them and love them, or expose what's behind this this relationship, which, two you know, my mom didn't want to stay. But they said to her, no, you have to go back. You can, there's no other way. And my dad, who is full of upset and anger for losing his child, he couldn't see through. Uh, or that's the way he accepted. Even though that's what happened to my brother, happened to a lot of children. It's, it's, you know, it's epidemic, like what we had in COVID. Some people just lose their life. And... And that, if it is exposed, it didn't feel right, and I didn't know why it doesn't feel right to go on and on about it. Uh, but I felt I have, I have to mention it. Yes, because this is this happened in that yes. in that life. It's it's not only happened. It make me discover, despite this, those two people have four children and with their with what they have they give us as much as they can yes they perhaps she was not happy in that relationship but she found a way to be content yes with her children was talking to her sister in creole because also she wasn't like even though her parents are syrian she is not syrian you know somebody was born in the caribbean Imagine the weather, the song, the dance came to a very conservative society and the wife of a priest. But those people in their own right, they are amazing and they make something of their life. Yeah, my mom didn't sit hours crying over being stuck in a marriage and my dad didn't Make sure she goes as much as he can uh, to to make her life miserable, you know even you know even it was what you call traditional marriage. And I think this is I love the way you said the balance. So I mentioned that fact that the child died, and both lost a
0: child, that one. Yes,
1: and it was the first child, yes. And then that she didn't want to go back. And I think the only thing I said about her in one sentence, she abstained from loving him. Yes. I didn't say more. Yes. But she was loyal. Yes. She did what that time is expected from a wife. Yes. He get angry and told her, oh, you kill my child, which that sentence is probably last for a last long time in somebody's heart to be told that
0: absolutely
1: but in his in his life there was some love and respect towards her and i didn't have to mention it
0: and there's something about this Episodic structure. Episodic is not the right word, actually. Bad dog. Try again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's all it's almost because episodic it implies again a linear timeline. There's something about this timeline where memory moves, living memory moves in a field of awareness. Mm. And your evocation of these moments flash like pockets of luminescence in the sea at night. And in a moment you can tell this much and no more.
2: Yeah.
0: Or in a sentence you can be really pretty clear-eyed about your father's attitude to your mother after the death of their son.
2: Mm.
0: You can be absolutely without, you know, you can, you can abstain from making excuses for him, which you do in that paragraph, alongside Mm. these other evocations of his sacred silence, Mm. his intellectual rigor, his warmth behind his quietness, you know, his affection for you, what you've learned from him. And in these moments of evocation, each time you can do that dance differently. And again, the many perspectives build up, Mm -hmm. like the many threads. You stand in Mm -hmm. many different places And you see what you can see from there.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. Because, because you see, if somebody said, he said to her, you killed my child, and you just said, what a horrible man. And then when I said she is talking to her sister on the phone, and she said to her, is he is not here. And my, my aunt would say, the idiot one, the idiot. You know, I would say, gosh, all that respect of this person has come to that. Because I have an aunt who, who is with her sister, said. And I expect people to know they went on to say worse than that. I didn't have to say it. I yeah. just didn't have to say it. Yeah. There was yeah. no need for it.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that lightness is lovely.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, it, because it's life is like that, isn't it? Yes, yes. Life is like that. It's, it's, um, there is, um, I love you, you use the word lightness about it. But it's all those things to, to, like, if I sat and said, I was born and keep going on that line we mentioned mm-hmm. later, all those, all those lovely, uh, living lightness of life and its beauty will be gone. Yes. Because there is disaster, success, another disaster, light, war. But actually, uh, it, for me, with this book, one of I learned so much about uh, not only writing uh, but about. What's behind that joy I have about life.
0: Interesting. And
1: thanks to you, Joe, thanks to your work. Um, I When I moved to the UK, the, the group called, I, correct me, Ramblers, the people who go for a walk.
0: Oh, the Ramblers Association. Ramblers Association.
1: So I said uh, there was a walk and I said, I'll join them. Okay. So, those people walk in the most beautiful part
0: of... Was, of this in, was this in Ireland at this point? In Bristol, in Bristol. Ah, okay. Yeah. In, in Ireland, I just
1: point. stay here, and in Bristol, actually. Yeah, yeah. So, there was those people, old, young, uh, you name it. And as you walk, you have this beaut- beautiful... You, you go from... The valley, go up, go, you know, turn. There are trees, no trees. There is sun, etc. And then what they do, time to time, they stop. So while you are walking, you always seeing in front of you that beauty, mm-hmm. in one way or another. But also busy walking, you don't want to trip. If it's not walking, you know. You don't want to trip, and you could be in the back, and they catch up when they stop, or in the front to stop. And I remember one of the things that you do or they did and I did with them and it came to my mind a few days ago is you stop and then you turn back. You turn yourself back and you look back. And you said, wow. As if you've never seen that of you, even though you walk through it. Yes. But you're walking to the f- face in it and busy with that road which we do in our life
2: yes
1: studying job uh, for in love for out of love upsetting so we are seeing all those things along the way but then to reach that point and turn back and then you see the whole place not only your path and you said wow and that's what happened to me when i was writing i turn And then my life was not one line, not a story. It was all those bits and pieces here and there, here and there. Yeah, it was the girl the the orphans, but also the sadness in our house. It was Samira this girl, but also the loss of innocence. Yes. So that's why those pieces are scattered and came together to be in a book.
0: What I was thinking as I was reading it was that what you've done is you've created an artistic representation of how a human being might experience their own life. So instead of forcing it into a timeline and fabricating your life as a story, in this approach of fitting together the many viewpoints, the many contradictions, the many ages, in allowing it to be a book made of moments, you allow... An artistic re-feeling of this moment made of many moments. Yeah. Which is a conscious human being's life. Yes. And that is a very beautiful thing to be able to glide through for an hour. It takes about an hour to read the book. yeah. Whether you're reading the beauty of the jasmine in the courtyard, whether you're hearing the bells, or whether you're reading some of the really fierce one-paragraph encapsulations of betrayal and disaster. Yes. Because, of course, the other phrase that came to my mind was float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. The other thing... That that lightness brings is when you tell the truth in one word, one sentence, one paragraph. Yeah. It has space to resonate in.
1: Yes. And it's also... We talk a lot about kindness. Be kind, be kind. As if you said somebody, like, take paracetamol, it's good for you, or take aspirin. Like, kindness... It's not formula, it's not something you wake up and decide to be kind. Kindness has to formulate itself through your life and your experience and through what life brings in your way and have that privilege to see it, to see the pain, to appreciate the joy to see the roughness, to understand kindness. And that's sometimes lifetime. Yes. And being kind becomes a choice rather than let's be nice today and tomorrow turn to a nasty one. Yes. It's it's something become a space you can always widen to allow the unpleasant to settle before you have that instinct to hurt, to react, Mm. to hit back. Mm. And uh, yes, yeah, yeah. So I think I did not plan to bring the idea of kindness or love but I experience it through my life.
0: And of course, the title No Rush is a contraction of a longer phrase. Love didn't have to rush. No.
1: No. Um, yes, yes, exactly, exactly. And... Um,
0: when you spoke about making a space and you spoke about it as you know in the fairly clear context of a space to let things settle before you're reactive and we're all familiar with that mm-hmm. you know trying to um, <laughs> increase your emotional breaking distance a little bit um, but the book takes place in a very wide space of awareness. So, as a reader, you know, I spoke of this experience of seeing each vignette, each poem, each paragraph as like a flash of phosphorescence in the dark of the ocean. There is an ocean of awareness around it, which may have been born in you. Maybe you've developed it. Maybe Mm. it's a room you've cleared inside yourself. I don't know.
2: Uh,
1: I think there is part in the book, I just put sentence between two parts. When I talk about that space to see things before, you hit back, I wasn't saying be nice, I was saying try to see or understand, because when I understand and I know it's wrong, then my voice is very strong and very loud to say no, that's wrong the way i see space is that i have this image that when we're born as we are in a room with a small window and as we grow older sometimes education sometimes your family sometimes your experiences widen this window and you see more it doesn't matter when it was a small what you saw is wrong. You saw as much as you could see. So as that window grow bigger, you see more the image, better and better mm. and better. Mm. Mm. And I think we talk about that, that wish that the whole world will fall. And we can see things as a whole, but we can't. We have limitation, and we have to accept it. And that will ease the regret we have, either about things we didn't do or things we did wrong to others. Not because we were bad, perhaps we didn't see enough. Not because we choose not to, because that's where we were yes so experiences is the way for me the book talk about experiences and encounters those people in the book they are the one who make me see better yes. the experiences i have to be closer to nature and be aware of the world around me made me in that place have a space yes it's not a cleverness yes. and it's not being special
0: yes no it's
1: just the encounters the experiences and the parents
0: should we move from there to talk a little bit about language yes let's see let's see <laughs> So the memoir traces your journey from childhood and young adulthood in Damascus, in Syria, to Ireland, to Bristol. And you deal with great delicacy with the gaps between the cultures, the way you show different layers of your identity, the way they join up, the way some of them just don't. But there's another dimension to this, which is that you live in your mind between two languages. And every time you pick up a pen and open a computer, you've got to decide which one you're going to do this in. So at this point, you've got no rush circulating, beginning to pick up word of mouth Mm -hmm. in English you have just got off your desk I think another book in Arabic Yeah. what's it been like to live between two languages when trying to write artistically because it's a very different business you know to be a part of a community in a second language, to raise a child, to get a job, to be a teacher, to be part of a place in a second language, yes. and then to go back and try to speak from your heart, try to find language that has music in it, yeah, try to describe very nuanced experiences which you won't let yourself misdescribe. Yes. What's it been like swimming about between Arabic and English in that endeavour? You can be honest here.
1: Well, it was hell. (laughs) Hell after hell after hell. It was hell. It was... Just cutting a person half, it just, um, I remember describing, speaking English uh, the first few years, uh, like a bottle, a big bottle and the language inside the bottle coming coming up and reaching the top with this narrow, narrow top and there is a guard saying, where are you going? (laughs) You can't go in like that. Put yourself in different, like, um, uh, what you call close code. There's a code, yeah, yeah, a code. It doesn't work like that. So you have all this bubbling in, and then when you reach the top, there is one word coming up to, yet you were having a whole bottle of so much words to say. And... um, The thing with the language, I I came to I, I I moved to Ireland and then to England, in a time
0: and those are two different languages and, right there. <laughs> oh, isn't oh, it? Yes. even in even in just the way the two cultures use English.
1: Yes, actually, and actually the way people express themselves is different between Ireland and Pris- massively. Yeah, and I I have to tell you quickly that story. I met this American lady who married an English person. And it was her second husband, the first husband was from somewhere in the Middle East. And she said to me, I manage more in the Middle East than I manage in England. I said, why? She said, I came in. I said, well, I'm American. I speak English. I can't get it. They, even their post, you know, the time, the way they do their post is different than the state. So, so it was the culture killing her. <laughs> more, more, yeah, But back to the, the subject is, so... Um, I came by choice that make all the difference. Yes. So you do your best because you want to be here. Yes. I wasn't forced to leave. Yes. I didn't come because here is better than my country. I came to marry the person I believe is the right person for me. And I'm going to build a home. So that is it. But it was a struggle to learn that it is about the culture before the language. Tell me. So I, because my second language was French, and I never use English at work. I use English to read yes, uh, for work, and it's technical terminology. So I never pronounce the word right. It's always a bit of French, or or I pronounce it in the way I think it's nice. You know, I used to say vegetable. I say vegetable is nice. They say, no, it's vegetable. I say, that's harsh. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that's one story but understanding the culture, understanding how people think that is the hard part, how people express themselves. So my, the way I welcome someone in a place when people are reserved, it looks over the top. The way they welcome me, which is, has in it kindness, It reached me as cold and distance.
0: That is a massive, massive invisible.
1: That is the hardest part. Nowadays, my nephew... He speaks, He not not only can speak English, beautiful English. He understand because he brought up like all those young people around the world. They watch movies. They watch program. They watch American English movie program. They they are in touch how the society. Yeah, and still probably they will have similar problem. But at least please, so that. So we're talking about the culture to understand it. You talk about. So I came from. This beautiful, comfortable way of speaking language, expressing myself beautifully, to sit and speak, not speak, create 10 sentences to express one word. And lose that lively things in my voice. It be, English became that language when it's very serious, it's straightforward, you don't leave joy in it because you uh, make sure you don't make mistakes, people can't understand you. What did they mean? I didn't understand, I didn't get it. But of course having a child who, who born here and went to British school, and she's British, and opened the door for me to meet so many people from different classes, different backgrounds, different education. And that brought the life for me into my English. Yes. So the one who said, love, are you okay? All right. And then the other one who speak more in an articulate way. Then the one who, yeah. And then I said, oh, that's your world. Just you can open up. And that it brought English and make it lively and living things, rather than the mistake. What did they mean? Because I noticed, no, even English people, they are, they are like in my country, different type of people, different way of expressing themselves. And when it came to writing, I can use that verb. I wasted so many years saying which language? Which language? Write in Arabic. but It doesn't go anywhere. There are things I can't do in Arabic. Write in English. Your English is not good enough. Go back to Arabic. Okay, now you have a bit of English, a bit of Arabic. Which one shall you translate? You can't translate it. It's not working. And that dilemma, it went back and forward. And I joined, just by chance, a friend said to me, oh, I'd like to do that. What do you like? And I said, I like writing. So she did search. She said, oh, this city you are working in, let's see if they have writing group. And I went to this writing group. And those people, they sit and write and they read, but they don't judge, they don't, they don't do critical, they don't have,
0: how yeah, can they say? they don't do critique.
1: In, they don't do critique. Yeah. And I went there, I will sit and write quietly. And when I have, they say, your turn. I said, no, you know, <laughs> I couldn't. They have beautiful English and very articulate. And, and, and they asked me, are you writing always? And they say, oh, you're writing in English, but we know you're writing the other way around. I say, yeah, I can write in Arabic. And say, read to us. I say, but that's Arabic. They said, it's okay, read to us. And it was the first time I heard my voice reading my writing in Arabic. That the first time I heard it.
0: Was in a writing sh- group in England? Yeah. And what was that like?
1: I was, I think I started shaking and there was that silence and I was reading. And then t- towards the end, I just felt that there are people listening. And when I finished, they all praised me. And they said some said I they love the music they heard. And then I said, Oh, that's a voice. They meant it. And after a few times I said, I'm going to read in English. But sorry about the mistakes and the way I read it doesn't have that right rhythm when I'm reading English. And this it's okay. And they listen And say thank you. And that's how that's how um, the idea that it's okay right in both.
0: Yeah. both. Don't worry. I mean we had a discussion i think in the in the first intuitive writing craft seminar you joined and i haven't checked whether you mind me quoting you on this so if you do we'll just have to cut this bit but i distinctly remember you saying well i could say that i can't express what I mean in English I could say that right now the truth is I'm afraid to express what I mean in either language
1: yeah yeah because in English I had the fear of making mistake and be wrongly yes and in Arabic I carry with me since I was a child I come from a country where I brought up in dictatorship place, in censored place, you censor everything, everything. And you leave the country and you go to different country and you speak freely, but that censor hasn't gone. It's there. And it is actually part of you. It's your voice, your other voice. (laughs) So how can you fight your voice? You forget it's censored. You don't even know.
0: Yes, that is a very important part of this.
1: Yes. So in two languages, you can't write freely.
0: So, you have to walk in the middle, you have to dance. Yes. Or you have to do a book in French. <laughs>
1: Which <Would you> also, <laughs>
0: forget part of it. <laughs> yes, yes. So, you know, I would like to, I would like to, at some point, if you're up for it, do a podcast. Um When you have the next book of poems in English done, let's put that beside your writing in Arabic. Yes. And let's do a podcast about the music of the two languages. Yes. Because there is so much in that. We stumbled across this last summer.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. um, When we were looking at um, rhythm in poetry. Yes. And... I had a moment where the scales fell from my eyes because I realised that the, the underlying rhythms of the poetry in two languages was inside out from each other. Mm. Um, that is another discussion, but it would be a, yes. a brilliant one to have. Yes. Um, and maybe this sort of segues into... Um, the discussion of intuitive writing which perhaps we could have but you know one of the one of the shadows I box uh, with explaining intuitive writing to people because it can sound um, it can sound like it runs on mysticism and fairy dust and I really want to work against that Uh, it's just a different way of using your mind and body Um, and you know one of the fallacies you can get into about intuitive writing is well it's just coming purely from my inner being Mm. Mm. and absolutely it does open up your individuality your own gesture your own voice but the other thing that happens when you really write freely is you get the best of your acculturation. Yes. But that's complicated. Writing in a second or a third language where, you ha- where you're battling a different kind of necessary censorship
2: mm.
0: on mm. both fronts. That's profound. Mm.
2: Mm.
0: So, people when you read najiba's books mm-hmm. and you hear the clarity of expression mm. and you're tempted to think this comes easy it doesn't maybe it comes from bloody minded effort <laughs> <laughs> over a period of years <laughs>
1: And it go over and over and over and over. (laughs) I was doing one of the poems in Arabic with my sister. And she said, do you go over it again? I said, no, no, we're done. She said, do what you do in English. You told me you go over it 20, 30 times. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And And it's actually, this is why the work you do is hard it's hard to put value on it or because you can buy books or go to courses how to write and do exercise yes and or oh, do this for imagination uh, open a book take three lines put in this line repeat it, do this yeah and this is all work on the level of your mind of exercising the mind to write exercise getting the habit of writing. But you can do everything in those books. Go to a year, do one year, even study. But if you haven't managed to release yourself, to free yourself, that that voice of you have a space to breathe, to be born, probably doesn't need to be born, it's to grow from seed.
0: To grow from seed?
1: It's yes. always there, but it's not, it could be not, uh, hasn't had a chance to grow. And that's I okay. I love that. But that space, it, how can you have a seed if you cover and put so many things and stop it breathing and yes. then on the top you are putting some, you know, working on the top and say, this is when I can go. So that is working with you, what gave me, Joe? The work with you is to have that, and it's hard work, actually. It's go round and round and round and round, not to my core, which I, 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 I went and talked to therapists about it, and about my body, I could go and dance with people. But about that voice, that voice which I think for years was begging, begging, banging, but I couldn't hear it. I didn't even know it exists. I didn't know it's their fighting. I knew there is something, but I never knew what it is.
0: And that's where you began allowing yourself to hear your own voice first.
1: That's right before anything to do with writing. And of course, I remember the first session and he said to people, and I tell people that story. I said, well, Joe said, the people, I want bad grammar, people, I don't want sentences, people, I want words. I just want bad English, but just put it there. And I said to them, I put my hand out, say, you have it. I am better than any of them, you know, better than all those British people. I can do it easily. And I took out it as a joke, but it's not a joke. It's somebody told me I am allowed to do that. So I was what I was doing with you in English, I was bit by bit moving those things which always stopped me moving forward because I was busy worrying about it. And you said, throw it away. Just come on, what do you have? Don't be afraid. Have trust. So I had to build a trust in the group. I had to build a trust in you, which I was watching and saying, what is he doing?
0: Well, well may, well well may you ask.
1: (laughs) Well, wait a minute, he said, write about this. And he write too, you know, he's not only, he's not guiding the class. He is writing, we are writing, and they said, read to each other. Oh, what are we doing? But let's see. But then you had that, you contain the group. And this is when I had to put that trust in you. And this is what I had also to learn to open up to other writers. That they can bear hearing my voice and my mistake. And I can't listen to them without saying to them, oh, amazing, lovely, lovely. You know, just listen. Doesn't have to say anything. And that is hard to show. And that's a journey I did with you to be... Now having a book published,
0: and how long do you think it takes to open up that voice?
1: Still, still, I'm still working on it, Joe. I agree. I'm still working, and probably I would work on it till the end of my life.
0: But at I least, agree.
1: but at least, I know where to put the work.
0: Yes. It's
1: to allow it. Yes. Not somewhere
0: else. Yes. We will be working. If we're wise for the rest of our lives to open up our voices. Just because... We've got to a threshold where we can speak enough of a truth in a voice that rings true enough to ourselves to put together a book that people love. And it starts to get word of mouth as it is.
2: yeah,
0: It's one of the ways resistance works is every time you make it over a threshold you stop and one of the ways life and writing and art and guts can push back against that is going back again and trying to open up a bit more trying to peel off another layer each time and that turns it from the achieving of goals into an unending adventure
1: which is life is
0: every time you sit down and write and that is alive in you What? Ever other shit is raining down that's right. in your life in the world that's that right. is alive in you whether anyone is interested in publishing your stuff or not that's or right. whether anyone is interested in your stuff after you publish it that's right um That's the best explanation of the difference between trade publishing and independent publishing I've ever spoken. (laughs) 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 It's just which way round you put that sentence. Um, So Najiba, there are a potential for four or five podcasts sitting here and I'm sure we will get to recording at least three of them, if you're willing. But for now, I thought a really good question to end up on would be, what was the experience like of publishing your first book? It's a very significant change to go from someone who clearly writes a lot, to go all through the process of committing to publication, collating it, editing it, and then being in public with a book to your name, and it's beginning to circulate. How has that changed? your relationship with yourself as a writer your relationship with your writing how is Najiba now different from Najiba six months ago
2: Uh,
1: I have to say it was like the idea of dreaming
0: Mm -hmm.
1: when the first time I saw the book on the screen, and I kept going and looking at it again, and um, accepting that it is out there and somebody's going to buy it, and then see people buying it, and then hearing feedback. But answering exactly your question. there is something fundamental changed, not, not just not a little. There is that power, it's a power of um, not doing and not achieving, creating. Work, creating um, work which which is can go under this big letter art. yeah Not writing arts. Yes. And arts is that. What have under the umbrella of arts is what um, always felt is the essence in life. The books, the painting, the drawing, the singing, the music, all of it made for me uh, meant the world and to be now ...standing into that umbrella with my modest contribution. Yes. I... Somehow... The idea of... I have something to say. I can write it. I can work on it. And I can publish it. The details will come later. But it can be happened. It's not anymore, oh, I wish, oh, one day will happen, or it's too complex. I think the moment you go through the first, the moment you do all the first, the thinking of writing a book, the think of editing a book, the thinks of having it uh, handed to a person who could produce beautiful book, All this seems to be so easy because in the first place, the decision to publish was there. Yes. Then everything that followed, I call it details, it took weeks and months searching, searching, searching. Yes. But then when it happened, it went smoothly. Yes. Because that decision was made. And I know now if I decide, this is what I want to do, all what I need is a trust the process. The process working with Joe more contacting Joe, I said, Joe, please, I need your support, Joe. I need to join your new group. Anthony, I have this ready to be published. Tell me what you think. Do you think it's good? And actually more than that, when I thought of the book, I said, just publish it, put it on Facebook. Some of your friends will have it and just pack it, and that's the end of it. And this is, no, that's not enough. I want to publish it now. I want to make sure more people read it. Actually, I wanted to go further than what I thought the first time. And why not? And of course, that is came through the going the process, the feedback, and also the work which I still doing it with you in your in your sessions, because I I know I need them more than ever. I need more to work, more to read, more to
0: write. I mean, it strikes me that. You've gone through, you've gone through, with great integrity, some stages that uh, a lot of people stumble with. So you've made the decision that this is going to happen. From the beginning, you have been prepared to stick to your artistic guns. Um, and you've been very clear about the way you want to do it. So you have self-published and you've arranged for yourself a process of gatekeeping. By which I mean, you have engaged myself first as reader, then as an English editor. I think that's pro- probably the best, the best title um, to give some encouragement in places, resistance in others, <laughs> and. A series of very specific questions yeah. about very specific aspects of it you have used critical friends you have also found a very good specialist professional to do the finely balanced work of typesetting and creating a file which can be used through a good print-on-demand service Mm. to make a very high quality book. Yes. Um, so you have set your agenda, you've decided what's important to you, Mm. so the print quality was very important to you Mm. and it was important to prioritise broad distribution and steer away from the Amazon monopoly. I think that's that's fair to say that's that's been a big deal from from the start. Of course. So that led you to working with Anthony as typesetter, book producer and Ingram Spark as printing service. Yes. The result of both of those decisions, because of the attention to detail you and Anthony share, and because of the print quality available through Ingram Spark right. has led to a beautiful object of a print book. Thank you. And the combination of your writing and the beautiful object it's created is now from something I remember in an early tutorial you said, I'm going to print four copies and I'm going to leave them on the benches in stations. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. So again, there is this wonderful trust in life and in truth Mm. and more than four copies have been printed Mm. and it's going a lot further than the benches in stations. Yeah but you've decided the game you want to play and you've played it with great integrity you haven't got lost in anyone else's agenda
2: no.
0: and i really admire that and that is something i think might be worth modelling it's very easy to get into oh what are the trends in self publishing or How do I get a manuscript picked up by an agent for traditional publishing? How do I play that game out there, that game out there? You've gone, this is what I believe in, in terms of an artistic way of structuring a book. You've done the whole thing in your own way. And I think that is a really good model for successful publishing whatever tools you're using, whatever professional structures you're going through.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. You've decided very, very clearly what you want to do and you've done it with integrity.
1: That's good to hear. That's very good to hear.
0: And I'm just noticing now having stepped back from technical involvement and reading it as a reader and noticing the word of mouth it's getting, something about the genuineness and the insistence on integrity throughout Mm. is beginning Mm. to work.
1: I stood staring at the mirror. I glanced at her. The version of me that shines through the bursting sun. A necklace resting made of pearls from the holy land. A silver ring worn over the mark of a gold one in attempt to stop agony leaking out. Under my blouse hides a Syrian gold chain carrying a golden heart. Syria in my heart. In my mind, in my thoughts and in my tears, I looked again, hey, you, it is going to be okay.
0: growing tree of meaning forms this podcast. If you want to be a pen friend of the podcast, I'll write to you and share what I learned from tending it. The links that emerge between the conversations. The insights that blossom after them. I'll let you know about opportunities to write together as they come up, whether that be free workshops or long course deep dives. Go to movingwiththepen.com penfriend and enter your email to make it happen.